You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We are going to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, but we're going to stand up for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. United States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio, and it sure is not going to be decided on Fox News. Solidarity forever. Solidarity Tennessee Valley. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host and fellow agitator David Story. It is Saturday, November 14th, 2020, and we are broadcasting live online and on the radio on WVNN in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area from Athens, Alabama. The recording of this program will play tomorrow, Sunday, November 15th, 2020 on the great WGOL in Russellville, Alabama. Today, we're talking to two amazing organizers who stole our AFGE Machinist Union dynamic, but we're not going to hold that against them. Talking to Douglas Williams and Brian Conlon, we'll be talking about an announcement from the Alabama Department of Labor, taking your calls and more on today's Valley Labor Report. Uh, So thanks for tuning in, folks. We appreciate your time. If you want to see what we're up to throughout the week, get our snide quips about the news of the day, then you should follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Valley Labor Report. We're on Twitter at Labor Reporters. I'm on Twitter at Jacob M underscore A-L. David is on Twitter at Radical Unionist. That's spelled R-A-D-I-C-L Unionist. If you missed part of the show and want to go back and watch it later, you can search YouTube for The Valley Labor Report and subscribe to our channel. You can go back and watch the full show there, and we clip segments that you can watch throughout the week. We also upload the program on more than 11 different podcasting apps. So, to see if we are on your listening platform of choice, go to thevalleylaborreport.transistor.fm slash subscribe. Or you can go to our website. Now. Yes, now we have a website. We've the got a va- website, and it's being populated every day with the new podcast. So you can check it out at thevalleylaborreport.org on the World Wide Web. Thevalleylaborreport.org. And finally, if you appreciate our work and want to help us stay on the air, consider throwing us a couple dollars a month on patreon.com slash thevalleylaborreport. That'll really help us out, and we really appreciate our current patrons. So, um, like I said, we have got two fantastic organizers here. We're not going to hold it against them that they're they're stealing our ASGE stole. Machinist Union dynamic, uh, you know. But we we appreciate them taking their time. Douglas Williams is an organizer for the Machinist Union. And Brian Conlon is an organizer for AFGE. Uh, Regular listeners of the show will know that I'm a member of AFGE. David is a member of the Machinist Union. And both uh, Brian and Douglas are contributing editors 
for Strikewave. Uh, so make sure you follow their work. They're both on Twitter. Um, they uh, both write regularly for Strikewave. So I highly recommend y'all check them out. Um, folks, thanks for uh, uh, Douglas, Brian. Thanks for thanks for talking to us this morning. Stole. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> we are the originators, the originators of the AFGEIM partnership. But you know, just to correct you really quick, I don't want to steal valor or anything. Uh, I have an education representative for the Machinist Union. I'm yeah, organize, uh, Douglas doesn't organize crap. Wow. That's harsh. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I've seen, I've seen how you keep your apartment. There's nothing organized about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all don't, uh, I'm not going to have y'all over for dinner. Scrap in, folks. Oh, it's 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 fantastic to be on this show. Um, someone that used to live in Tuscaloosa. Uh, that's where I started my PhD. You know, one the one of the first uh, sort of blog posts that I ever wrote about was the need for more labor media in the South, right? Um, when I've taught union members, you know, one of the questions that I ask is, uh, can anyone here name any pro-labor media sources? In the two years that I have taught, I've maybe gotten two distinct answers. Uh, so, uh, it is something that is very rare, right? And the rarity of it means that we're reliant on, you know, news and media sources that aren't particularly friendly to our cause, to our members' cause, and to our collective cause as the working class uh, to sort of decide and shape these issues that are milling about today, right? And all too often those issues are not shaped in a way that really sort of uh, puts forth the cause for acting collectively, for unionizing, for deciding that it is the workers who create the wealth and not, you know, a CEO or CFO that's never turned a wrench in their life, right? right. So, you know, I'm glad that y'all are on the air here in North Alabama and that y'all are doing this work because it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, I, I can. I just completely agree with all of that. Yeah, and it sounds like you're picking up your uh, your southern accent just real quick, like I, I didn't notice a southern accent when we was at W three, but now all of a sudden I'm hearing this southern this southern drawl come out. Absolutely. I will say, I will say, Is Doug like, pulling a Hillary Clinton. When he was, yeah, when Doug, he was, he was like, pulling an HRC on us. <laughs> 
when he was in Detroit, it was it was much thinner. But as soon as as soon as he moved to to Maryland, it thickened up. And whenever he visits his family in Tidewater, it goes all the way to ten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, we're really appreciative of y'all coming on and what you say as well, because like you said, we don't have you know any labor any labor friendly. Uh, media whatsoever not just you know talk radio airways have been taken over by ultra conservatives radical ultra conservatives and you know on tv you really don't see anything uh you know even on the more liberal channels you don't there's nobody talking Mm -hmm. to working class out there whatsoever it's either ultra elitist liberals or Mm -hmm. it's right-wing conservatives and and Mm -hmm. and there's a reason why the 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 working class in in the South have turned away from the from Democrats because there there's nobody talking to them. Well, and turned away from Democrats and some of the mainstream media. Like I saw a tweet uh, from from Joe Reed uh, from Joy Reed. Uh, she's a MSNBC contributor or host or something, and uh, she was talking about how uh, Tupperville was elected in Alabama, and she was like. Uh, you know, don't shrug when you get the shade or something like that. And it's like, no wonder Alabamians hate you. And like, for good reason, like you're an elitist, you know, liberal hack like that. You know, you're not going to you're not going to win anything like that. Uh, talking about like, oh, because you voted for this person, like you deserve like to die. And no doubt she's going to have a story about how uh, uh, Trump is, isn't going to um, be sending the vaccine to New York. And she's going to complain about that. And rightfully so. But, uh, you know, she's doing the that exact same thing to Alabama. So it, it's really frustrating. And, you know, I appreciate it. And we 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 hope to uh, we hope to kind of. Um, provide a, a, a platform to educate folks about uh, labor issues, about unionization, and how important that is, uh, because that you know they they don't hear that a lot. Um, well, and, not, and not just that too. Like even the the left outlets, and and one of the reasons why y'all are so unique, and and why I'm so glad to be on is is even sort of the left outlets that we do have have a tendency to devalue like the Southern Front, mm-hmm. like they have a tendency to to ignore or condescend or or talk junk about Southern organizing um, because this is a place that a lot of a lot of people just genuinely don't have an understanding of the nuance and the complexity of of the way that nope sounds like we lost Brian for a minute we still got Doug can you hear me? Okay. There you go. There we yeah. go. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I was basically saying like the, the, like the, the pro worker outlets that we tend to have, like they tend to devalue and, and ignore the South as, as a avenue of struggle, like as a place to fight. And yeah. it's, it's extremely destructive. So yeah, well, not only that, we also see it in our own unions as well. You know, I'm mm-hmm. constantly oh, yeah. following my, my union, my international's Facebook page, Twitter page, and things like that, and they'll make a post, and I'll see, like, troves of people coming out of the Northeast and the West saying, you know, talking talking crap about, you know, us in the South, and we're working our tails off. And y'all are, too. You know, you know this. Everybody down here is killing themselves, organizing like crazy. Day, yeah, I'll tell you, you know. I'll and tell they, you one thing. Like, one of the reasons why the uh, APWU is as effective as it is is because their current international president national president uh diamondstein he cut his teeth in greensboro north carolina he's from up north but he 
he did all his union work in in North Carolina. Like you don't like you learn how to be tough in places that are hostile to where you're doing work, yep. to the work you're doing. And, you know, not for nothing, it's it is much easier to talk to somebody about union stuff in Detroit than it is mm-hmm. in Raleigh. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's the same way with y'all's national, with AFGE. You know, mm-hmm. y'all's national president has been on our show a couple of times and man, he's just excellent, he's, excellent yeah. and straight out of the South, you yeah, know, he came out of Southern. Yeah, my national president came out of Anniston Army Depot. He was the first black president there and he got his, uh, um, he, he got bricks thrown into his home, cat urine left on, uh, you know, left left in his mailbox. So he's really had to deal with it. Uh, so, you know, we yeah, definitely Soretta, appreciate Soretta Southern Smith organizing. But uh, we're going to talk some more after Georgia. the break. Stay tuned. This is the Valley Labor Report. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. All workers deserve fair wages, affordable health care, and a retirement plan that enables them to retire with dignity. All workers deserve to have a say about the terms and conditions of their employment, not just the bosses. With the Machinist Union's over 600,000 members having our back, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama has been serving workers' interests for over 20 years. Our members have the best health insurance in the area with zero deductible plans. We set the bar for pay in the area with over $40 an hour rates, consistently averaging the highest non-college degree jobs in North Alabama with some of the best retirement plans in the industry. We can do the same for you. Together, we remain united, raising our voices to ensure justice on the job and service in the community. The Machinist Union is a true Southern Union founded in Atlanta in 1888. We've been serving members' needs for 132 years. The longevity of our union proves our dedication and loyalty to the working class. The Machinist Union isn't just for machinists. We represent workers in government, healthcare, auto workers, aerospace workers, transportation workers, the defense industry, and woodworking. Our members even build the iconic Harley-Davidson motorcycles. If you're ready to get serious about better benefits and wages, if you want to have a voice in your workplace with over 600,000 members to back you up, call or email us today at 256-286-3704 or organize at iamaw44.org. Here in Huntsville, federal employees are an invaluable part of the nation's defense, offering unmatched expertise in engineering and technology and as stewards of taxpayer dollars. What we ask for in return is to be treated with fairness, dignity, and respect. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE, Local 1858, is a union of working people looking out for each other, making sure that we're treated right. To inquire about joining or to learn more, call 256-876-4880. 
Hey y'all, are you tired of hearing that the South is just a bunch of racist rednecks? Or tune in to Dixieland of the Proletariat podcast. We talk about Southern working class history and current events through a leftist perspective. Join Nelson, Senior Telecommunications Director Tommy, Comrade Kate, former pig farmer Tyler, and Brother William, wherever you stream your podcast. And good Lord willing, the creek don't rise. We'll see y'all next time. It's Dixieland of the Proletariat, y'all. WVNN. A long-haired preacher's come out every night. I try to tell you what's wrong and what's right. right. Welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host, David Story. On the line, we've got Douglas Williams, an organizer and educator with the Machinist Union, and Brian Conlon, an organizer uh, with AFGE. Both of them are contributing editors to Strike Wave. And uh, uh, so we were talking, uh, where we left off, we were talking about Southern organizing and, and, and things like that. And Brian is in North Carolina doing organizing for AFGE. Uh, Douglas has done organizing in the South. He educates people who do organizing in the South. So c- talk to us about what is y'all's, you know, what is your game plan for organizing Southern workers? Like what, wh- you know, what is kind of the, the, the path that y'all follow and what, what would you say to organizers down here that are that are trying to do the work? Like what, you know, what would your advice be, so to speak? The thing about organizing down here and organizing in open shop contexts uh, in general is that things like open shop laws, what most everybody calls right to work laws, but I refuse to, um, is that they don't prevent organizing, just prevent uh, cracking. It is, you can see multiple victories have taken place in the South and in North Carolina specifically. Things like the, the UFCW fight at Smithfield has built a really strong fighting union and it took them 10 years to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, NNU just recently won at Mission Hospital in Asheville in a two to one stomp, like it wasn't even close. Um, and so they're, and they're setting up to, to do a, a really tough contract campaign because their bosses there were basically like putting out like want, like wanted dead or alive posters for union activists um, at, at the hospital. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it is just like, like the, the biggest impediment to Southern organizing is more than anything, a lack of investment in, in the organizers already doing the work down here. Like that's the thing that is getting in the way more than anything else. I feel probably like two dozen to three dozen like serious, hey, I'm looking to organize conversations every single year. And the issue is, I don't have the capacity to do that. I can't, and if they're private sector, I'm not gonna touch them because AFG doesn't organize private sector unions. And so I hand them off to other unions, but they don't necessarily have the capacity either. And that's mm-hmm. the tough part. Like yeah, whenever we run into sort of a hot shop situation, like there's always, there's always more interest in organizing than there are people to actually follow up on organizing leads. Yep. I seen, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I seen earlier in the week, somebody, somebody commented on Twitter about the amount of money that was invested in, uh, 
in uh, several of these campaigns, especially uh, in Georgia, and said, you know, just imagine if that money had been had been invested in true labor organizing. You know the difference it would make. I mean, look at all the money that's going out to these politicians. It's doing absolute jack crap for us yeah. all, and and we just don't have the funds or the you know the resources or the manpower. You know to uh, mm-hmm. to organize the the amount that needs to be organized in the South. Mm-hmm. And you know you think about a campaign like say. Amy McGrath's in Kentucky. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect example. I mean, you hear you have a Senate candidate who raised the equivalent of the entire fiscal year 2020 uh, city budget for Homestead, Florida, right? And she got curb stomped by yeah. Mitch McConnell. Yeah, and who didn't right? see that coming? Yeah. And that is when people look at the South, they look at a map, right? They look at these sort of, you know, visuals that are, you know, meant to sort of give generalizations and they take those generalizations and they turn them into totalities. Well, here's the thing. When the actress who played Deanna Troy on Star Trek says, oh, well, Texas is the first one to reach a million cases and oh, guess what? They voted for Donald Trump. Well, so, okay. But let's be honest about something. The Democratic Party, if the level of investment that they have had in the South over the last 30 years has pretty much been nil, right? Uh, So one, you know, they don't see those sorts of organizing efforts in front of them. And two, Texas is a majority minority state. Right. Mm, Aside from Kentucky and I believe Louisiana, um, every state in the South is at least a quarter uh, people of color. Right. Mm, And to be honest, you know, bashing the South and wishing bad things on them just because they don't vote for your sainted chosen candidates right. that ain't never showed up anywhere anyway, right? You know, it's kind of racist also. And it's really just bad politics. When it comes to union organizing, though, and I know we're coming up against the top of the hour, so I'll make this quick. Um, you know, when it comes to union organizing... We simply don't have the conversations, right? Because we don't have the resources and we don't always have the boots on the ground to be able to spread our message of collective action where it needs to be spread. And when we get those leads, you know, we're sometimes not able to follow up on them just because of a simple lack of manpower, right? And so instead of, you know, 
instead of looking at us and saying, oh, you know, we're a bunch of reactionaries, maybe you could look at us and say, how can I help? Right. What yeah. can I do? Yeah. Exactly. And the, the one thing, and I, and I just dealt with this, this yesterday, as a matter of fact, the one thing, the singular one thing that gets in my way of organizing more than anything else is politics. Every, I just talked to a guy yesterday that I was recruiting in our shop, just recently got hired, uh, over there talking to him about signing a card. And the first question out of his mouth was, does, does our union contribute dues to politicians? And this is killing us. It's literally killing us. Stay tuned. This is the Valley Labor Report. Hey y'all, are you tired of hearing that the South is just a bunch of racist rednecks? Well tune in to Dixieland of the Proletariat podcast. We talk about Southern working class history and current events through a leftist perspective. Join Nelson, Senior Telecommunications Director Tommy, Comrade Kate, former pig farmer Tyler, and Brother William, wherever you stream your podcast. And good Lord willing, the creek don't rise. We'll see y'all next time. It's Dixieland of the Proletariat, y'all. 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. Depend on it. Welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story. We have got Machinist Union organizer and educator Douglas Williams, AFGE organizer Brian Conlon, both of them contributing editors to Strike Wave. Uh, talking to them, uh, we left talking about how politics is really getting in the way of uh, union organizing. And, and uh, so I think we can talk a little bit about why that is and, and tie that into um, Biden's election. You know, Biden was uh, Biden is now president elect. And um, so, you know, what are you know, give us y'all's thoughts on that. Um, uh, uh, Douglas and, and Brian, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on the election of Biden and, and, and why it is that politics is, is really kind of getting, you know, getting in between David and, and his members in some cases? So I think in a lot of ways you have a lot of, I mean, you got to understand, right? The labor movement is a movement of people who come from the same neighborhoods as the rest of us, right? So, you know, it's a very diverse movement ideologically. And part of the work is one, getting rank and filers to care about politics at all, right? Um, you know, we we sort of think that these folks should just be automatically tuned in to every development that's going on in DC or Montgomery. And to be honest, a lot in a lot of ways, a lot of rank and file members are just like, well, that's stuff that happens out there, yeah. right? That this does not have any real effect on my life. 
And when they do tune in, right, they tune in to politics and they have the same sort of mode and mindset that the folks at their church have, that the folks in their sort of civic organizations have, that, you know, these sort of community sort of pillars. And so how we have to talk about politics, to be honest, has to be different from talking about D's and R's, Democrats and Republicans. Exactly. We have to talk about issues, right? Uh, in a piece I wrote for Strike Wave, for example, you know, I noted the 2010 race for governor of Ohio and then the 2011 referendum on uh, repealing a bill that would have stripped public employees of their collective bargaining rights. The same with the 2016 governor's race in Missouri and the 2018 referendum on uh, right to work, right? So in those electoral contests, those partisan contests, right? Um, you saw big turnout for the Republican candidate. But in these issue-based referendums, right? What you saw was a big turnout for labor. And I think what this shows is that if you can take labor issues and completely divorce them exactly. from the current mode of partisan politics, the worker class is all about that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what we have. We have to do a better job of using initiative and referendum abilities to put things on the ballot and get people their rights back without making it a thing about Democrat, Republican, or whatever, right? And, well, we and don't even, even have, have to, look to look at look two separate elections oh, in the past. We can look at 2020, where Donald Trump won Florida, and a $15 an hour minimum wage won with 60-something percent of the vote. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. that means there is, pro there is at least 10, 15, 20 percent of the electorate in Florida who voted for Trump and voted for a $15 an hour minimum wage. Yeah. yeah. And and even beyond sort of ballot initiative stuff, like North Carolina doesn't have, doesn't do tons of ballot initiative stuff. It, it all has to originate from, from the General Assembly if it, if it ends up on the ballot. Like even just sort of messaging more precisely about issues would probably pay dividends. One of the reasons why the Democratic nominee for the Senate here, uh, a fellow by the name of Cal Cunningham, um, one of the reasons he lost, like he lost because he had a bimbo eruption yeah. and he, uh, he some sexts he had with a, a another man's wife um, came out and the man is not the man is not smooth. We'll just get that out of the way right <laughs> yeah. here. Um, yeah, but part of the reason like one of the reasons he lost is is the now incumbent senator tom tillis was in north carolina's general assembly for before he became a senator from from north carolina one of the things he did in the general assembly was utterly destroy the unemployment insurance system hmm. there are tons of people in north carolina who did not get their pandemic unemployment assistance for 
months because of the things that Tom Tillis did. Cunningham didn't say anything about that, didn't message on it, didn't talk about that track record of this is what Tom Tillis does when he has power. He is going to absolutely, he is part of the reason why, like you might've been late on your rent or mortgage. Like, do you really want to put him back in charge? Like, rather than messaging on that, like the Democrats defaulted in a lot of ways to orange man bad. And, and yeah, like I'll, I'll put this out here. Like, I, like I'm not a Trump supporter, never going to be a Trump supporter, but you've got to ultimately talk about the issues that affect people's lives. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, they're going to default to other things that matter to them. Right. Well, too, you know, they they talked about Orange Man bad, but it wasn't even just that. It was Orange Man exclusively bad. They had Republicans speaking at the DNC. Joe Biden's message for the past two years has been that Donald Trump is a unique phenomenon in the Republican Party, and there's lots of good Republicans, and in fact, I would love to have a Republican vice president. They're not even connecting the the, uh, the the badness of Orange Man to the rest of his party, and they have fundamentally the exact same agenda, which is to destroy working uh, uh, the power of working people. Donald Trump just also tweets mean things and calls women mean words. Like that's the only difference. The 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 the, the actual agenda that the Trump administration has passed has been lockstep exactly what would have happened under a Rubio administration, under a Kasich administration, under a Bush administration. Nothing is different. Nothing is different at all. And Democrats are not, like you said, they're not connecting this this administration to the negative results that people are feeling in their pocketbooks and in their lives and and they're they're saying that no trump is just a uniquely bad person and we need to get him and him alone out of office and they're leaving down ballot races out to dry and they're and as a result they're leaving there's constituents out to dry why are we talking about john Kasich? why are the democrats even remotely talking about john Kasich? he has no constituency yeah, he has no constituency. He's like, like he's the architect of of the attempt to repeal public sector collective bargaining that got curb stomped in a ballot initiative in Ohio that Douglas mentioned. Like, it's this sort of retreat into, oh, you know, we just need to go back to the way things were in 2015. That creates this just, just this absolutely like this absolute capitulation on the part of the Democrats. Like, like, and this isn't anything new. You saw this in 2016, again, in North Carolina, a, a field office for the Republican Party in the state. And keep in mind, all the things, all the bad things that Trump did while like, he was in office, all the destructive things he did in office were basically prototyped by the North Carolina Republican Party. Yeah. The North Carolina, this office in the, like for the North Carolina Republican Party caught fire. And then a whole group of extremely dumb liberals decided to crowdfund to restore it because they apparently hadn't heard of things like fire insurance. 
And these are all people who are academics and they're up in Yankeeville and they, they've never set foot down here and, or done a single bit of work down here politically. And, and here they are like raising money for a party that literally two years later got caught attempting to steal a congressional election. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, what? The, the, here's the thing, and, I, and we say it all the time on this show. We're constantly, uh, we call out both sides. Uh, but the fact is, the Democrats have done ab- absolutely nothing to help our cause, you know, throughout, for, for as long as I can remember, to be completely honest. I mean, you look at what, what, what named something that Obama did in his first two years when he had the administration, uh, and unlike Tommy Tuberville, I can you know figure out the three three different separate forms of government. But when he had the administration and Congress on on his side, what did he do for organized labor? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it, this is why the people in the South don't want to vote Democrat no more because they recognize that the Democrats have turned so far away from working class politics that it's sickening now. It's yeah, sickening. well and and yeah, and another thing about it, it, Democrats will not they do not play to their base. Like Republicans as soon as they get in office, they entrench their power, they destroy the Democrats base by attacking organized labor. But Democrats, like he said, when Democrats get into office, they do not um help build power for organized labor or anything like that. They leave us out on the vine and they lose the next election because of it. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to have uh, going to talk some more to Douglas and Brian on the other side. This is the Valley Labor Report. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. 
If you're looking for contractors with lower than average EMR and TRIR, if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, if you need iron workers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Iron Workers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Iron Workers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256-383-3334. That's 256-383-3334. Or via email at local477 at bellsouth.net. And make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. Depend on it. Let's go! All right, folks, welcome back to... The Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story. On the line, we've got Douglas Williams, an organizer and educator with the Machinist Union. Brian Conlon, an organizer with AFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees. Both of them are contributing editors for StrikeWave. Speaking of StrikeWave, tell us about y'all's work, uh, y'all's work at StrikeWave. What, um, you know, what, what is that outlet? What, what do y'all what, what do y'all do? Basically, we want to raise enough money uh, to pay the best possible labor writers we can find um, a decent wage to write stuff that matters to working people. Um, so we've had folks like uh, Kim Kelly, who's uh, an absolutely brilliant labor writer, yep. uh, write about everything from um, nonprofit organizing to uh, the freak show as a way for people with disabilities to get employment before the ADA. Um, we also are always looking for new and interesting angles to uh, pick up about this. And we, we like identifying new talent. Uh, a fella out of Howard, uh, Greg Morton, wrote an absolutely brilliant piece about the history of labor struggle in the NBA um, that I can't say enough good things about. We've had um, in the federal government, like somebody who's got some pedigree as far as federal labor, uh, Leah Russell, who was with uh, Fed News Network, um, like they've written for us as well. Like we've got some absolutely wonderful pieces and statements from union efforts and organizing. Uh, we've also done a really cool thing with uh, an OSHA complaint tracker where basically yeah. we track and map out every single OSHA complaint that's been made since uh, like COVID-19 has been a thing. 
I saw that ever, th- this morning and was absolutely amazed at how at the data at whoever whoever wrote the code behind that was brilliant because it Kevin is, Runig, it is, Kevin I, Runig is is the person who's responsible for that. Um, and he does uh, a decent amount of work with us, um, really does deserve the credit, as does uh, another editor uh, for StrikeWave, Connor Lewis, who is a rep for NEA, uh, a professional association in Pennsylvania. Um, y'all have got but, all the heavy hitters there. I mean, really, y'all have got the, the – because I, I've, uh, I think uh, I caught up with Douglas uh, maybe – I'd never really been on Twitter before. Uh, mm-hmm until we started doing the show and we were like, well, we got to get a presence out there. And so I caught up with him uh, on Twitter when I joined and seen where he was writing at. And uh, I, and so I've been reading it ever since. And there's just, like you said, absolutely the best writers in the labor movement, bar none. It's, you know, from what I've read the last six months. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that we try to do at Strike Wave is we try to be a voice, not just for working class labor struggle and stuff like that, and sort of be a megaphone for the folks who are doing the organizing and things of that nature. But we also try to be a megaphone for those writers who, you know, may not be, you know, as well established, as well, you know, known as some of the other folks who do labor reporting because, you know, we we really believe that when you expand the number of voices who are engaging in this work, it can only be a good thing. Right. So we have been, you know, sure to keep that at the center of our mission. And honestly, it's a labor of love for me. You know, I love strike wave, you know, I, Love the fact that we cover organizing. You know, people need to understand that the victories you see at the end, okay, that stuff's great. Absolutely, right? But you got to know the sleepless nights, the nights away from family and friends, the, you know, stress right all of the stuff that goes into that final victory shot where we get to say you know x amount of members have now joined afge or the machinists or the iron workers or whatever right like these there's a lot of work that goes into that and we want to be sure to highlight that yeah, there ain't no glamour in any of this. Like the glamour of of the work wears off at when you're it's five thirty in the morning and you're out in front of a hospital, flying workers on their way into work and they're barely making eye contact and barely say anything to you. Yeah. Like, well, you say there's no glamour in it, but there uh, at the same time, all of us do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, Jacob and I not only organize he's over at afge i'm with the machinist but we also created a branch of the wobblies here in huntsville but for specifically for organizing service industry 
uh, lower wage workers that are not uh, that, that's not never going to get a nod from one of these international or national unions. But but to tie that into what you were saying, all of us do it because we love people. You know, at the end of the day, every one of us. It's, it may not be glamorous, but that you know that feeling of connecting with people on that personal level and talking to them about uh, kitchen table issues and how how the union can help and how they can help themselves pull themselves up by by those these solidarity efforts you know it's it's extremely important absolutely and you know it's like i would tell you know rank and filers in classes that i teach it's like you know how many of you are steward and you know most people raise their hands and stuff like that and i'm like well listen right we're here talking about organizing and i know we like to think that it's some big grand complicated thing but think about your role as a steward right you talk to people you give them the info about the work that they need to do you know either with a grievance or you know if you're in a right to work state, you know, talking to one of your coworkers who might not be a member and stuff like that, right? You know, you have the skills already. Being a steward is part, you know, part lawyer, part organizer, and part therapist, right? <laughs> and you know, yeah. we it's about letting people know that they do the basic work of organizing every day. Now it's about harnessing that to make sure that we build our members up internally and as well as, you know, organize new shops as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we have just a, a two or three more minutes before we head on into the break. Uh, and David and I were talking in the last break about keeping y'all on for the last 30 minutes and seeing if anybody wanted to call in and talk, uh, uh, see if they had any questions for y'all. Uh, is that all right with y'all? Yeah, sure. Okay. Absolutely. The number is, uh, folks listening, the number is one 494 9866 Again, the number is one 494 wvnn If you want to talk, we've got four Southern organizers talking to you today. Four. So that is that is a lot more than you're going to And nobody's had a disagreement yet. That's oh, how I say. I mean, we've been crazy. talking for, what, <laughs> an hour now and nobody's disagreed? Yeah. So That's give us, unbelievable. Yeah, give us a call, 1-866-494-9866, 1-866-494-9866. Uh, David, you had something to say before we got off? Uh, no, uh, I was saying put your put your lips up a little bit closer oh, okay. to that mic because gotcha. I couldn't hear you that well. Yes. Yeah, uh, no, it, it, you know, I, it, we're all organizing. We're all, you know, we're all out doing this, and a lot of times we got about, oh, a minute left, so I'll go go into this. A lot of, a lot of times people don't realize you know we get this the unions in general the union members in general uh get this flack saying that uh we're we're greedy union members you know we're looking out for ourselves and the fact is it's i'm douglas is a prime example being a third generation unionist i'm a third generation unionist in alabama which is almost unheard of but we're doing it because somebody done it for us before we got here you know, and uh, and that that's one of the that's the only reason why I'm organized as hard as I do because the folks that came before me built my wages to where they are. I didn't get here by myself. 
I, they, they, they put in the legwork long before I got here, and I'm hoping to put in the legwork so that our children, your children, my children, and, and people's children that I don't even know are going to have a good life. And, uh, you know, that, that's something the stereotypical greedy union member just don't float, don't float, you know, here. No, I mean, yeah. we are caretakers of the movement. We don't own it. Somebody handed it to us and we yep. will hand it to somebody else when the time comes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's exactly right. Like nobody's getting, <laughs> nobody's getting rich off of this. You know, I've talked to, I've talked about how, you know, how often David is, is going on these trips. David is, is doing a bunch of work and you know, he, uh, he ain't making extra money for it. That's for sure. Nobody's making extra money. Stay tuned. We've got a caller on the line. We'll talk to him on the other side. This is the Valley Labor Report. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. This is News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. News starts now. Coronavirus cases in the U.S. nearing 1 million in a single week and another daily record broken. More than 193,000 new cases reported in just the last 24 hours. Former CDC Director Tom Frieden saying to keep kids in school, limit contact over the holidays. We're seeing more cases in more places than ever before. Unfortunately, the numbers are going up and they're going to continue to go up and get worse. Several state and local officials have announced new lockdowns, hospitals across the country reaching capacity. And Nevada Governor Steve Sisolak saying he's tested positive for COVID-19, the fifth governor to report testing positive for the coronavirus this year. On his way to a Saturday golf outing, President Trump's motorcade this morning taking a deliberate loop around Freedom Plaza, where a large group of Trump supporters were assembled today. Iota now the 30th named storm of this year's record-breaking Atlantic hurricane season forming in the Caribbean, expected to strengthen into a major hurricane as it approaches Central America. Dave Packer, ABC News. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker & Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. People across Alabama are hurting. Elected leaders have bailed out corporations while sending only a one-time cash payment to working families despite record unemployment and a public health crisis. Hometown Action is fighting for working people across Alabama to build inclusive and sustainable small town and rural communities. Hometown Action demands that Congress pass a people's bailout that expands health care, sends cash payments to families, and invests in green jobs to restart the economy. Now is the time to act. Learn more at www.hometownaction.com. 
valleylaborreport.org. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. Welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is David Story. On the line, uh, we have as guests Douglas Williams, an organizer and educator with the Machinist Union, Brian Conlon, an organizer with AFGE, both of them contributing editors at Strike Wave. Calling in, we have Jonathan on the line. He wanted to talk to us about... Um, about how uh, uh, about politics getting in the way of organizing in the South. Uh, so, Jonathan, you're on the air. What uh, uh, what was your comment, Jonathan? Oh no! Did we lose him? He skewed up. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, hey. we can hear you now. Hey, sorry about that. All right. So, I know that uh, earlier you were discussing how it's been difficult. To, uh, to connect with the conservative, uh, you know, kind of the Republican voter here in the South uh, when you're trying to bring in workers. And, and I think that you can do that. It's really about messaging because the Republican concept, the conservative concept is we want people who work to get paid and people who don't work not to, right? We, we value the, the value of labor. And when we hear a lot of times the message that we hear from organized labor is we want to figure out how to more equitably split the pie, whereas what we want to hear is how can we make more pie to split, you know what I mean? And, and, and that's really the difference there, and I mean, there are some things that you could, you could key on that I think would get you a lot more traction. For instance, would you guys support a, an across-the-board embargo on Chinese imports until such time that all of the slaves in China, there's four million of them, are released verifiably? That's the kind of message that would really really do a lot of good things uh, for uh, catching, catching fire in the uh, conservative uh, ranks here in the South. I mean, my, my son's a union member, and uh, I think the union's been good for him. But, um, you know, the concept of uh, class warfare doesn't play well in the South too, too well, you know what I mean? Well, now, as far as Chinese imports, uh, unions always use uh, American union labor, American union-made products. Uh, they do not, you know, anytime uh, a union buys anything, it has to be made in America by American union labor. Um, you know, so... Well, if, uh, I think what he's talking about is on a, on a legislative or uh, a level, would, we, would, would the unions support an embargo? And, exactly. You know, I can say personally, I've, I've been very outspoken on, on tariffs. I think... I love I love the tariffs. That was one of the things that I actually cheered cheered on Donald Trump early on for was putting putting the tariffs in place. But what what uh, Douglas or Brian, y'all have any comments on that? Doug, do you want this one or do you want me to take it? Sounds like Doug may still be out on a smoke break. Brian, no, no, he's he's here. He's here. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I think like part of the problem is like I don't think 
the problem is you've got a super majority of the people running the show who wouldn't agree to those tariffs because they like cheap yeah. labor. And that includes right-wing politicians. And like, left-wing politicians. Like the, the problem with it more than anything else is it's really selective. People are more than willing to talk about China, but they aren't willing to talk about Thailand. A while ago, I wrote a piece about why unionism needs to be internationalist and needs to be concerned about the interests of all working people, because if it isn't, it is too easy to pit one chunk of the working class against the, another chunk. I, I single out Thailand because y'all ran an ad with a, a, the, of the machinists talking about how Harley Davidson's are union made. Well, Harley is offshoring a lot yep. of stuff to Thailand. And Thailand is currently run essentially by a military dictatorship in with, um, with a, a monarchy put in charge. And there's ongoing struggles against that monarchy and has been for quite some time. And they have some of the absolute worst labor laws in Southeast Asia, and that's really saying something. So- Right, well, you know, and I totally understand what you're saying, but let me just say that you know, my daddy brought me up that you take the low-hanging fruit when you're hungry. You know what I'm saying? And what I'm saying is that you can get, I believe, a, uh, an overwhelming majority of both left and right-wing politicians, if there's enough publicity put on it, to say we will not import any more. Now, forget about tariffs. I'm talking about an embargo on all Chinese imports until the literal slaves. I'm not talking about the cheap labor. I'm talking about the the freaking in, uh, slaves that are in concentration camps in the numbers of four million that are being leased out to Nike uh, to make cheap goods to bring into the United States. Uh, that, that's just insane. Uh, we've got to, if you want to stand up for labor, let's stand up for labor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that at all. But what we're talking about is organizing people. We're talking about organizing people at ULA, at the United Launch Alliance in Decatur. And so, right. like, when he's talking to he's talking to his conservative member, I don't, I, I, I don't think that what the international's um, United States legislative agenda is, is going to, uh, you know, I mean, I could be well, wrong. Let me tell you why but, that's incorrect. But, but I think and the what, reason that's incorrect is because if we stopped importing all that stuff from China, we'd have to get it from somewhere. Yeah. It would make it possible for us to get it from a, a pop-up. You know, we used to make all the all of the fabric for uh, cubicle panels up in North Carolina, right? We don't do that anymore. We import all that stuff from China. I mean, all I mean, Herman Miller, all those other places that that actually build their own cubicle panels, they still have to import those uh, those fabrics from China. It's ridiculous, most textile, right? Most we can make that stuff here. Most of the textile manufacturing has been moved from China. It's down in Southeast Asia, Cambodia, Bangladesh. Like, like, it's more than just China. China is an easy target because they're they're sort of the the big boogeyman of the national security state. And to be right. honest, like that isn't really the big problem facing facing working people. Like you talk about okay, growing well, the pie and, and growing the pie is, is, is important, sure. But the problem is like you do have to be concerned about how that pie is distributed because eventually sure. once, but people, if we're not making any pies in the United once people have a certain amount of, of power and money, they're going to use that to re-entrench their power and money and use it to screw over working people. Right, like that's, if, just, if, that's just listen, how the world get, is. If we like, get the labor... Uh, if, and, and, I, and, I, and I just, and I just want to get in. But we're not in. making any pies at all. We, 
then there's a problem, right? We've got to make it a situation where we can equalize the competition. And I've asked my conservative friends, and I, you know, I have friends that are more conservative than me, would we be willing to pay 15% more at Walmart in order to free the slaves in China? They say, yes, absolutely. You know what I mean? And I, I, I do focus on China because it's low-hanging fruit. I think we, have, we need to reinvigorate manufacturing here, and we need to stop importing from all these places. But if we could stop bringing in $700 billion a year worth of stuff from China, that would be a good start. Wouldn't you think? So I just want to, you know, sort of jump in here. Um, so one thing that, you know, I sort of, I don't know if you would say it's a hobby or specialization or whatever, is I'm very, you know, conscious of the sort of rhetoric that we as labor and as sort of left wing, uh, you know, political and working class activists uh, that, that, that we take on. Right. And so, you know, when we make these sorts of arguments, we have to be very careful that we're not simply appropriating the rights sort of arguments about internationalism and uh, workers and stuff like that for our purposes. So the thing is, is that, you know, I'm not going to sit here and necessarily defend as I'm, I'm pretty sure you're talking about the situation with the Uyghurs yeah. in Southwest and China and the unapologetic <laughs> Christians and the anti-communist thinkers. Those are all and, that, those are the groups that make up those 4 million and, slaves and, in China. Absolutely. And so the thing is, is that when we discuss uh, labor and we discuss these international issues, we have to keep foremost in our mind the sort of backbone and driving force of unionism both here and abroad. And it's internationalism, it's solidarity, it's that when we talk about pursuing policies like embargoes, which have been historically shown not to necessarily hurt the governments that they're targeting, but the working class that have to live under those governments. We have to really make sure that in our efforts to build up American industry and to make sure that American workers not only get more of the pie, but that we expand the pie in order to give mm -hmm. more to American workers, that we're not pursuing a rhetoric, a rhetorical infrastructure that will have a negative impact on our brothers, sisters, and comrades abroad, because either our labor solidarity is international- When I hear that- or it's nothing, I hear right? That you are okay with slave labor in China as long as you can make money here 
on the upper levels of your union organization no, as we're opposed not, to we're at the lower that's what I mean. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Like the prob- part of the problem is like we're, you're talking about slave labor in China, but you're not willing to address, like, are you talking about, are you willing to ban sort of forced prison labor here in the United States? Angola prison in Louisiana is literally an ex-plantation no that. that continues to have mostly black people pick cotton and the, and the descendants of overseers serve as guards. Are you going to talk about abolishing that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Any forced okay. labor. And at least you're consistent. It's better than you can say from, for a lot of folks. But the thing is that that, here's the most important thing. The question is how to connect with the conservative in the South, uh, because they do have things that overlap. But the unions have things that overlap. I mean, we believe in if you're going to spend money from government money, we believe spending money on uh, job training is better than just spending money arbitrarily on handouts. Unions do great job training. Right? Somebody is, is out there and they're, they're trying to figure out how to get their life started. They get in a union, they learn a trade, they make lots of money, right? That's a good thing. That's a positive message that the conservatives can grab onto. But as long as you're gonna be running around calling the, um, the workers in China your comrades, uh, uh, you know, and, and not being willing to, to condemn slave labor abroad to, to move more labor back here to the United States, we wanna be self-sufficient. We wanna be able to build whatever we want to build here in the United States without having to import everything. I don't, I don't, and here's the thing is, I don't think he was not condemning slave labor. And I'm not going to speak for Douglas because he does a wonderful job speaking for himself. But it wasn't that he was not, not condemning slave labor. What he is saying was, does it hurt other workers across, across the international spectrum? And we have to be careful when we do these carte blanche tariffs that we don't hurt workers in other places. And and honestly, again, I wasn't talking take, about tariffs. I was talking about an embargo. Well, an embargo. I'll leave you to that because I've got a because uh, tariffs don't have enough teeth to get this done. If 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 they lost the American business that they're getting in, in China, they would have to make major reforms. And the reason is because their co- economy would go through the floor. Yeah, well, so and, would um, ours because because well, if I mean, you look 90%. at look at what is being offshored by America, and that's why you're never mm-hmm. going to get it done because on the right and on the left, they don't have the political wherewithal to stand up to corporations and say this is what's going to happen because everybody's making a killing, and that's where a lot of their money's coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta not give up the fight. I mean, and that's the first step in the fight. But I gotta jump off. I've got some. Hey, we appreciate your call. Thank you very work. much. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, but you, you know, I mean, I think it's something like ninety percent of our antibiotics are manufactured in China. Uh, you know, th- those are things that we gotta make sure that we're not gonna hurt folks over. Uh, you know, we're not gonna hurt workers in China or this or Southwest China or or Southwest Asia. Um, and we got to make sure that we're not going to, uh, you know, shoot ourselves in the foot, too. Those, those are definitely things to consider. Uh, folks, we got one more segment here on the Valley Labor Report with Douglas and Brian. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. 
People across Alabama are hurting. Elected leaders have bailed out corporations while sending only a one-time cash payment to working families despite record unemployment and a public health crisis. Hometown Action is fighting for working people across Alabama to build inclusive and sustainable small town and rural communities. Hometown Action demands that Congress pass a people's bailout that expands health care, sends cash payments to families, and invests in green jobs to restart the economy. Now is the time to act. Learn more at www.hometownaction.org. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE Local 1858, believes all workers are entitled to fairness, dignity, and respect. AFGE also knows that the best way to guarantee proper treatment is for workers to stand together, united, looking out for each other. In AFGE, we fight for workers every day to ensure a workplace that is safe and free from harassment. If you're a federal employee and want to be a part of this union to protect yourself and your fellow workers, call 256 Eight seven six four eight eight zero. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. WVNN. Depend on it. All right, folks, welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story. On the line, we have Douglas Williams, an educator and organizer with the Machinist Union, Brian Conlon, an organizer with AFGE, both of them contributing editors to Strike Wave. Uh, we'll wrap up that conversation that we were having with the caller really quick about, uh, uh, about you know, um, international trade and such. And then I, I did have one more topic that I wanted to uh, uh, throw out to Douglas and Brian uh, while we've got them on the line. But my, my kind of closing thoughts on that is that I, I think that, that unions are, are, are definitely opposed to slave labor, forced labor globally. I, I think, and, and unions, anytime that there's an international trade agreement, always push for stronger labor protections in other countries to help workers in those countries and to help workers in this country so that we are not having to compete yeah. with these, uh, with, with uh, exploitation and, and such things like that. And, that. and unions do that. Unions already do that in international trade uh, negotiations. And it is the Democrats and Republicans who fight against unions on those issues. Um, but also, you know, and I think that maybe tariffs and maybe tariffs have their place, maybe embargoes have their place. But like Douglas was saying, we do need to make sure that we take into account uh, how it's going to affect American workers and how it's going to affect our brothers and sisters across the sea, because we have seen uh, tariffs in other countries absolutely or tariffs from us absolutely decimate workers in other countries really hurt their ability to uh, make money to buy groceries to have uh, uh, medicines and we can't we cannot it is immoral it is absolutely immoral in my view to say for the sake 
of an American worker making two or three or four dollars an hour more that we let uh, somebody go without medicine in Venezuela or Thailand or China or uh, uh, you know et cetera et cetera. I, and so that that's that's my wrap up on that. If anybody else wants to wrap up uh, or, or has any other thoughts. So you know, for me, I you know. When we start talking about how do we reach conservatives and stuff like that, well, let me tell you something. So in the uh, in the referendum on right to work in Missouri, there's this county in Missouri called Cape Girardeau County. Now, uh, perhaps some of your listeners may not know where that is or why that's significant. It's in, it's, it's close to the boot heel of Missouri down in the Southeast. Um, it is also the home of one Rush Limbaugh. In fact, the federal courthouse in Cape Girardeau County is the Rush Hudson Limbaugh senior United States federal courthouse. Uh, he, that was his uh, grandfather was a federal judge. Labor broke even in Cape Girardeau County on the issue of right to work. This is one of the most conservative counties in the state. Now, listen, right? We can sit here and we can make our case for unions and for collective power based on things like, you know, uh, embargoes abroad or not wanting to give people handouts and things of that nature. But then all we're doing is repurposing right-wing rhetoric for our own you know, purposes. And part of what we do with our rhetoric is not just to meet people where they're at, it's also to progress them beyond where they've been. And that's why, to me, you know, that is a strategy that simply does not work. When we talk about these issues, we have to talk about them under the vein of internationalism, under the vein of labor progress, right? Because the thing is, you know, maybe you would pay four or five dollars more at Walmart if something was made in the United States. But one thing I could tell you about the workers at Walmart is that they will perceive precisely zero yeah. of that increased cost because Walmart is a notorious anti-worker union busting company. And so we really have to be careful about how we make these cases in that we're not simply aping the rhetoric of the right but moving people towards a place that is more just and more equal and getting them to see the benefits of showing solidarity with all workers, not just necessarily the ones that they live next to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's well spoken, brilliantly spoken. It's uh, yeah. It, and it, and it becomes difficult. It, it becomes very difficult. And I mean, you can see where the last caller was going and no disrespect to him, but I mean, all we're concerned about is 4,000 slaves being held in China. And, and I, I recognize he was saying that's the low-hanging fruit, but it, it certainly, there's, there's certainly more to uh, the international workers' movement than 4,000 people being held in China. 
much. I'd argue, I'd argue that ain't the low hanging fruit. Low hanging fruit's prison labor in, in the United States. Absolutely. We can actually Absolutely. Get That's what we have direct control over. Yep. Yeah, we have direct control over it. We could get like Congress and state legislatures to ban the practice or at least make them pay folks who are incarcerated who are working, at least make them pay minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but right now you've got people working for 50 cents an hour yeah, and right. and they're doing backbreaking work and it is or like, they're doing or they're doing phone banking for uh for mike for, bloomberg for mike bloomberg <laughs> yeah it's, i mean it's a perfect example oh my gosh it, like Jeez. military military equipment too uniforms body armor helmets like institutional furniture all these things are being produced in prisons. It is a billion-dollar industry, and that's being privatized. And it's partially privatized, but Unicor is uh, the federal sector's prison labor arm, and it's still government-owned, and it makes an ungodly amount of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, like, yeah, but and it goes back to the same thing, and not being. It is it it is going to be very it's an uphill battle to fight these things when both parties both political parties are a hundred percent supportive of it. I mean, you may have a few, uh, you know, that that will come out and speak out against it, but the fact is, until it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, until you have members on the ground, rank and file members that's calling their a representative or their senator and say we're not supportive of this you're, you're not going to move the needle on it yeah and well unfortunately we had a caller uh, ask about ballot referendums in alabama and my understanding we got about 30 but we got a minute left yeah my understanding is that that there's no mechanism for citizens to just put something on the ballot no, in alabama uh it yep. has to come through the legislature yep. and so that's you know that's really unfortunate anti-democratic uh, and but we, you know, the legislature could pass a law that would open up that process for us if they wanted to. So you know, if that's something that you're interested in, you should, you know, maybe write your representative or, or tell them that that's something that that, that we deserve here in Alabama. Uh, but as of right now, there doesn't really exist any mechanism for having that. Uh, I really want to thank Douglas and Brian for coming on. We really enjoyed the conversation. Again, uh, Douglas Williams is an educator and organizer with the Machinist Union. Brian Conlon is an organizer with the American Federation for Government Employees. Uh, We've enjoyed talking to them. Folks, tell them where they can find you here in the last 30 seconds. Thestrikewave.com. Strikewave.com. Go to strikewave.com and tune in again next week to the Valley Labor Report. we got a special episode for you. WVNN Athens. WVNN FM.